This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. In talk radio of four and by you, the people. In this hour, we have a great guest joining us, but you are definitely not just listening. You're welcome to participate. You can share your comments, ask questions, maybe even disagree sometimes. We'd love to hear from you. 8886 Leslie, 888 653 7543 is the number. We are weeks away from an election, and I think it's essential that we become informed on so many issues. The economy jobs being sent overseas in the past that we want to have stopped in the future. And really, how do we, the majority of people, the working men and women of this country, benefit? I'm more than pleased to have back on the program Scott and Paul. Scott, as you may know, and if you're new to the program, is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. The AAM is a partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. And for years now, Scott and AAM have worked to make American manufacturing a top-of-mind issue for everyone, but especially for you, the voter, in this election year. Also for our national leaders, and they've done this through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy. More than a pleasure to have back Scott and Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Hey, Scott, how you doing? Happy Tuesday. Good afternoon. Happy Tuesday to you, Leslie. Great to be with you. Would you say, with the election just weeks away, that manufacturing and trade have taken center stage and maybe are bigger deal and, and, and are two bigger issues that have a a magnifying glass on them, if you will, uh, this presidential election more than the past few cycles. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely fair to say that, uh, you know, you didn't see, you know, in, in the past you would see trade come up in the primaries, and particularly as it got to the industrial states. And you, see, you know, you've seen that the past uh, few election cycles. But this year, and, it, and it, you know, I'll say it's been, you know, Trump who's, raised it the most. Um, uh, he mentions trade in every stump speech, and he'll get people who say, yay, raw, and then he'll get others who say, you're going to start a trade war. Um, but at the very least, a, a conversation has started about this and what the best pathway forward is. And, you know, Bernie Sanders did a little bit of that on the Democratic side, and Hillary Clinton uh, picked it right up. And I, I don't know that, you know, she doesn't talk about trade 
every day in her stump speeches, but she has visited with manufacturing workers. Uh, she has a very well-thought-out manufacturing plan. Um, and I would be really surprised as we kind of head into the, the, you know, the closing act here and the debate if, uh, if, if uh, this doesn't come up uh, in, in some way. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you. And, and it should. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day who is a Japanese-American, Scott, over the weekend, a grandmother at a birthday party for one of my kids' friends. She actually spent five years of her life in Manzanar, the, one of the Japanese internment camps in the United States. And she was talking about how her homeland of Japan had really turned itself around with producing cars and appliances. And when she walked away, there was a guy standing there who said, yeah, I mean, do they even make American appliances anymore? And I honestly thought of you, Scott, and I thought, wait a minute, (laughs) there are things made in America. Um, And let's talk about that, because I think there are ideas that because so many jobs have gone overseas in years past and so many uh, factories and and production plants and, you know, obviously a lot of that manufacturing. And we've talked about the deficit, right, that, you know, we're bringing in more imports than we have exports going out. And we need to offset that and turn that around in the years to come. Hopefully this year will be a good uh, jumpstart to that come uh, November. But there are things made here in America, and I I think that a lot of people might not be aware how many things are made still in America and new products that are being brought up by companies now. It's true. And I think part of this, and look, I will offer similar complaints from time to time, is that in some product categories, it is really hard, Leslie, right? Like if you're shopping for a TV or a smartphone, or a computer game console, or some electronic toy, uh, or many kinds of clothing, or shoes, uh, yeah, then it's tough. You're going to be pulling your hair out uh, trying to find uh, an American-made uh, product. And, and in some categories, they don't even exist. But, you know, you mentioned appliances. Um, uh, I, I had the unfortunate luck to have both uh, about a year ago, washer and dryer go out at the same time, and uh, was lucky enough to find uh, made in America Whirlpool appliances. And there's lots of other makers uh, uh, who do washers and dryers and refrigerators uh, and ranges um, uh, in in the United States. Um, and there's still a pretty good. Uh, pr- pretty good business uh, for that. There's lots of imports, too, uh, but there are American-made options. Same with automobiles. I mean, you obviously see a lot of uh, foreign makes on the road. Some of those happen to be, la- you know, foreign labels, and they're made in the United States, but but GM, Chrysler, uh, and uh, Ford still making a lot of cars, not every car, but a lot of cars uh, in the United States. Um and just in the, I guess, in the built environment, like if you're living in a house or an apartment, a lot of the building materials, uh, not all of them, but a lot of the building materials still coming from the U.S. So, so there's more than you think, but I, but I know, especially, maybe it's because we're all frazzled when we're shopping for toys or what have you, at the, close to the holidays. Uh, but, but it really, if you're looking for that American-made option, it, it can be, uh, it can be a challenge. But we're, we're still making. I'd love to see may, us make more. Um, and I think part of that is creating demand through people who, uh, 
like like the woman you encountered who, who I think want to buy American, uh, and also uh, through the right incentives and policies to make sure that uh, people who want to be makers and who want to work in factories uh, can have those opportunities as well. Um, I want to talk about a conference you've been to, and maybe not everyone has, you know, been, you know, to this uh, conference like you have, Scott. It's the International Manufacturing Technology Show. It's specifically a show. I call almost everything that group of people are at a, a conference. And um, uh, tell us about the IMTS. This is a, well, it is a convention, right? I mean, one of the largest manufacturing conventions in the entire country, right? Yes. I'm sorry to say it's not as glamorous as, as uh, Comic-Con. <laughs> so, um, yeah, or uh, but but it is it is big. I mean, it's, but you brought your tights just in case, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Although I don't know if I was going to be Batman or Robin. I hadn't made my mind up yet, Leslie. Before I before I went, but it, look, it is a uh, it's an awesome thing. It's in Chicago, an industrial city, and there are over a hundred thousand people who go there, and you can see this this really cool um, technology that's on factory floors. I mean, there's lots of robotic arms. There's lots of, I mean, 3D printers. Um, it's like a, the, the wow factor is big. And there were a lot of kids uh, from schools who were roaming through the aisles as well, uh, looking at the future of manufacturing. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was, I, I loved seeing it because it is, I mean, we do talk about a lot about the challenges that face manufacturing from trade policy and, and you know, the, the attitude towards working with your hands and all of this. And, I, and we've had great conversations about that. But, but I do think that, yeah, there's still, there's still a, a future for manufacturing in the United States. It's valued. There were a ton of companies uh, that were there uh, displaying their, their, their wares for other manufacturers, um, and it was an honor to be a, uh, a, a small part of this because these were, you know, these were you know, tens of thousands of people who were in manufacturing, who were the engineers and the salespeople, and all gathered at one place uh, to try to, to see what's next, you know, what's, what's kind of the 4.0 uh, for industry uh, in the United States. What's the, what, what are the next trends that folks have to be aware of? I want uh, you to share a lot of what you you know saw there and that you uh, learned there. And one of the things is, as you had just talked about, that, that we in the United States do still uh, make things. Um, I I want you to talk about some of the things that you saw there and. Also, one of the things you said is it's amazing what you can make, right? And, and, and being at this conference, being at this show, you were able to become invigorated, if you will, excited about manufacturing, not just now, but going forward into the future, correct? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, so one of the things that I, I think is, is really uh, important, I imagine most of your listeners, if you said the word factory to them, they're thinking of something from the 1950s with smokestacks and hard hats and lots of big, burly guys using their muscles to move things around. And look, you walk around this show, and there's plenty of these, these guys who used to have these really physically demanding uh, jobs, but are now mostly using brain power. And, and you see the future of manufacturing on display. It's digital. Uh, it's connected. 
just like those devices, Leslie, that you can have to remotely control the, the thermostat in your house or the lighting or what have you. I mean, you know, it's, it's a scale a hundred times that for factories now. And there's uh, nanotechnology in manufacturing. With this manufacturing at a microscopic scale, then there's the really big stuff and, and getting huge, like 3D printing, which is you know, adding layers uh, of printed material to, to make something. And they've perfected it for most kinds of plastics, and they're now moving into composites and metals. Uh, and pretty soon, you know, if you wanted a custom-made, you know, Leslie Marshall pair of sneakers uh, or shoes, it could be 3D printed and sent to you the next day. That's and the amazing. great thing about that is that you can do that right here in the United States. I mean, the, the labor costs aren't as big of a factor. We'll, we'll have the technology here. It's closer to market. Uh, and I view it as a real opportunity to, to bring some manufacturing back. The jobs will look a lot different than they used to. Uh, but there's a, there, the, for that reason, I think that there's a bright future for uh, young people in particular who want to make things with their hands and use their minds. I, I want to also uh, break some things down. Um, one, one of the things is a company that you know, makes a lot of cool stuff and they're you know, on the cutting edge of technology and the forefront of technology uh, is Apple. Can Apple make iPhones in America? Because you know, th- that's a bad rap. I know people that I don't have an Apple, uh, and that's one of the reasons, quite frankly. Can they? Yeah, well, that, that that's the debated question. And if you ask Tim Cook or you know even Steve Jobs when he was alive, they they said no. We, we you know we're not we can't do that. We don't have enough engineers. We don't have a supply chain here. Uh, we can't do that. The truth is a little more complicated than that. And you know there's a there, there's an engineering professor at MIT who looked at how you could, you know, create the iPhone in the United States. He estimated that it would add a little bit to the cost. There's no question about that. But since most of the cost is wrapped up in either your phone contract or, you know, the the profit margin for Apple, by the time it got to the consumer, it probably wouldn't cost uh, all that much more uh, than it does now. And, you know, the fact is, you know, Apple, even though it's a very modern company with very modern designs um, and, and really cool features, uh, just like, a, you know, leading the way uh, in, in a number of categories, uh, it has a very kind of uh, very, very traditional manufacturing strategy, which is uh, final assembly by hundreds of thousands of really underpaid workers in China, and then all those phones are shipped all over the world, uh, including to the United States. Um, you know, they could certainly do a factory here. It would look a lot different. It would be a lot more automated. The jobs would be well-paying. There would be thousands, not hundreds of thousands, but there would be thousands of very well-paid engineers and, and highly skilled workers uh, who would be doing this. Um, and look, it would take a capital investment, and so instead of you know dividends for its shareholders, Apple would have to invest a little bit in U.S. manufacturing. Um, but it's possible to do it. It's just that you know this this company with this modern mindset has a very backward-looking yeah. production mindset, which is a shame. 
It, it, it is. It definitely is. Um, so we're going to talk more, and we're going to talk about the presidential candidates and what they're saying currently and um, how their plans impact you and I, middle-class Americans, and especially those of you who are looking for or looking to improve your manufacturing job. We'll be back with Scott Paul from the AAM. AmericanManufacturing.org is their website. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Paul AAM. Back after this. Leslie Marshall. Real people. Real life. Real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Tuesday, we're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He is Scott and Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, the AAM. And please join us, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Now, we were talking with Scott about him just getting back from the IMTS, the International Manufacturing Technology Show, one of the largest manufacturing conventions in the country. And he um, also talked about things that were exciting in manufacturing uh, for not only now, but going forward in the future. Scott, we are just weeks away from the presidential election. And uh, let's talk about and break it down. What are the two candidates currently saying and how do their plans impact good-paying, middle-class manufacturing jobs? And why don't we start with Hillary, since I like her better? <laughs> Ladies first. <laughs> and honestly, there's more to talk about Leslie, too, here, because she, uh, you know, she has a pretty well-thought-out plan on how to ensure there are opportunities for, uh, to grow more manufacturing jobs. One, uh, one plank is on taxes and how you can reduce taxes for companies that want to invest in distressed communities, which are communities that have seen a lot of job flight. So I, I think that's a good thing. Another is a, a clawback provision on taxes that would try to get money back from companies that flee overseas. And, and, and a third type of tax relief is kind of direct tax relief for companies that are employing people and making things uh, in the United States to, to deepen those tax credits that are available. Uh, investing in our, our infrastructure, something that we've talked about. She has a plan for $250 billion in new investment uh, to create a, a bank, an infrastructure bank that would use $25 billion to leverage probably another $250 billion in private investment to help rebuild our country. Um, and, and to make sure that those materials are uh, sourced from the United States. She has a Buy America clause. So there, there's a lot of meat there uh, just in Hillary Clinton's plan, Leslie. We're going to take a quick break back with Scott Paul, and we'll talk uh, more about some of that meat in Clinton's plan. We'll talk about Trump's plan. Elections just weeks away, and we need more manufacturing jobs. We have been and can be, again, the leader in the world in manufacturing. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. Go to LeslieMarshallShow.com forward slash members. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy in Talk Radio. Keep in mind that Geico has been saving people money for over 75 years. 
We are back with our guests, Scott and Paul. He is the president of the AAM, and we are talking with him today about the candidates' ideas. And in case you don't know the AAM, and you should, the Alliance for American Manufacturing, you know, what do the candidates have to say? What are their plans? Do they have a plan? Are they specific in, in ways to bring jobs back to America? The number one issue for Americans is the economy. And a, a, a big part of the economic, you know, chunk under that umbrella is certainly jobs, job growth, and bringing jobs back to America. There are many of you listening to us today that have lost your jobs and never got them back because they went overseas. Um and uh, we're talking about it with our guests, what the presidential candidates currently are saying, how their plans impact uh, not only middle-class jobs, manufacturing jobs specifically, good-paying middle-class manufacturing jobs. Scott, for people that just tuned in, maybe a brief recap of uh, Hillary and uh, giving your uh, take on it, because you know you certainly know manufacturing and have worked and continue to work um, tirelessly uh, to make this happen. So talk about not only what she's proposing, um, but, you know, be as critical or, you know, as praising, uh, you know, as you want of it. Absolutely. Well, b- before the break, we talked about uh, investing in infrastructure, $250 billion, uh, a, pr- a private infrastructure bank that would uh, leverage another $250 billion in private capital. Uh, look, I think these are good ideas. I think the challenge is that the American Society of Civil Engineers says we have over $2 trillion of backlog and projects that need to get done just to bring our infrastructure up to an acceptable level, not even to like a super highly efficient uh, level, but just an acceptable level. So, so if anything, she's aiming to low there, uh, some targeted tax relief for manufacturing, as well as some disincentives to offshore jobs. Um, and then she also has some investments for, for workers, uh, a, uh, I, I think a $1,500 tax credit for, for companies that give apprenticeships to young people who want to engage in manufacturing careers, a free community college uh, for folks uh, who want to attend. On community college, I, you know, I will also say that, you know, I'm not sure that all community college necessarily necessarily needs to be free, particularly if folks are going into uh, career fields where there's a labor surplus uh, and. Because it's just not going to earn them a lot of money. It's not going to be fruitful training for them. But certainly for some skilled professions like welding and electricians and things like that, absolutely that makes sense because a kid's going to get a good-paying job. They're going to be able to return that investment that taxpayers have made in them uh, back to society uh, many-fold through their their higher earnings. and then let's move on to trade. Uh, and here, uh, Clinton says she's opposed to the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. Trump is as well. Uh, she says she would uh, put into place a special trade prosecutor uh, that would help manufacturers and others fight against unfair trade practices uh, and uh, and make that a make that a priority. Um, and so. Uh, you know, I think the big question for me, Leslie, is that you know, all of these proposals are good. In fact, AAM over the last 10 years has called for many of the same things. So obviously I would like a lot of it. But the question for me is that is this going to be a priority? You know, is this just a, a laundry list of, of policy priorities? Or, you know, how much political capital is going to be put into this? How much leadership is going to be put into this to making it a reality? Because as we all know, that's what needs to happen to get anything done 
uh, in Washington. Uh, and so uh, if she's willing to do that, then I think it's a major step forward for manufacturing policy. If it's just this laundry list of things uh, and there's no intent uh, to, to try to move forward, then I think it's a, a wasted opportunity. So, um, so I, I think that I like. I think I would summarize it by saying I like the policies. I definitely think that we're going to need to to drive her should she become president to 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 devote some leadership, some time, some attention, to some political capital uh, to getting this done. Uh, the benefits would be awesome. Uh, we'd have a, a bigger middle class. This would deal with some of the inequality problems that we have in the country right now, uh, and it would solve uh, some of our, our, our trade deficit challenges. Well, there's a lot of reasons uh, to, that we would want to do this um, uh, if, 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 in fact, uh, it, is, it is one of her economic priorities uh, heading into office. Uh, Trump has been uh, criticized over and over because he has – ideas and plans and visions that we never hear. But we did finally outline his economic vision. And in that, he focused on putting America's national interest first, he said, uh, calling for a robust economic growth, tax reform, reduced regulation, better trade deals. Um, what does Trump have to say with regard to manufacturing and uh, regard uh, with regard to trade deals? How much of what Trump says and proposes would bring uh, manufacturing jobs back uh, to uh, American workers, the middle class? And um, what do you think of it? You know, just the, the, you know, the same deal as with Hillary. But I want to add one more thing. Can we trust a man who, inside his new hotel in D.C., inside that new hotel, and I, I was just in D.C. last week, I walked right by it, the products are made in China, still. I mean, this guy never learns. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, mean, that's, uh, I think that's, a, that, that's kind of a threshold question, is that when you say one thing and do another, uh, how much credibility uh, do you have? Um, you know, it's no secret where Trump is on trade because he talks about it all the time. So he says he'd, you know, he'd tear up the TPP, he'd renegotiate NAFTA, and he makes a vague promise like, you know, trust me, I'm going to get a great deal on trade. Uh, and, and then the question you have to ask, Leslie, is a great deal for whom? Is it a great deal for American workers or a great deal for him? Um, and, you know, if you look at his history in business, yeah, it's been a pretty good deal for him, maybe not so much for, for others. Uh, and and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that about the hotel because there, you know, there seems like there's been a lot of reporters with spare time on their hands that they can spend the night at the Trump Hotel there. So they must still have some expense budgets that we don't have, Leslie. But, um, but they have uncovered that, uh, you know, a lot of the – you know, a lot of the bedding, uh, a lot of the furnishings uh, for this, you know, make it, uh, you know, make America great candidate, uh, you know, come from China. Uh, you know, and, and he's criticized Chinese imports, uh, you know, almost every day on the campaign trail. Over the weekend, there was a poll done by CBS uh, that showed that when you combine the battleground states, that the race is tight as tight can be. Actually, they had uh, Trump at 42 percent and Hillary Clinton at 20, uh, 42 percent. Um, she was up one point last week. I think she's gone up since that poll over the weekend, but two points back in Labor Day. Um, but the voters in these states, these battleground states, where there are a lot of middle class workers, where certainly manufacturing is something that's very important when you look at some of these states like Ohio, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, uh, Florida, and some of these other states. Um, 
right now they're neck and neck. Does that surprise you when you've heard their plans? And does that surprise you when we've looked at not only past elections, but what past, past presidents have done in or haven't done in either party? Yeah, Leslie, that's a great question. And I think it... Um you know, I, I think it bears pointing out that obviously voters aren't considering these made in America or trade or economic issues in a vacuum. There's a lot else uh, going on out there. You know, some people care about social issues. Some people care about guns. And so, you know, each voter uh, has, has a particular formula, you know, formulation that I think is hard hard to replicate uh, in the in the general population. But, uh, you know, I think everybody knows that a state like Ohio is going to be close. It's been close in, in uh, you know, most presidential elections uh, going back a, a, a couple of decades. But, you know, this is a real, I mean, I mean, these are real meat and potato issues, these economic issues. And you see what some of the battlegrounds are, like Pennsylvania, uh, and, and Ohio uh, in particular, uh, and you know that, that these issues are going to get an airing. I mean, any, anybody, any of your listeners who right now are in those states, they're seeing ads, uh, both by Trump and his supporters and Clinton and her supporters, that deal directly with these issues. Trump, uh, I, 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 I'm sorry, Clinton has gone heavily, heavily after Trump on his you know, companies outsourcing uh, for the last six or seven weeks uh, with a with a battery of ads uh, that uh, that that is exposed uh, this hypocrisy that we've talked about. Uh, Trump's talked about bringing back steel, bringing back manufacturing, reforming trade policy. So it will not surprise me, Leslie, that if we get to the day after Election Day, regardless of, of, of who is elected, and we'll discover that in these types of states that these kind of uh, these, these made-in-America economic issues that we're talking about uh, were some of the most heavily advertised uh, issues uh, in this presidential campaign. Uh, we um, uh, should we take a break, guys? Because yeah, well, let's take our break. Because if I ask a question, Scott, we're not going to have time to have you give the answer. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with our guest, Scott Paul, president of the AAM. Pick up the phone and join us. Eight 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 six Leslie. Eight 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 six five three seven five four three is the number. I think we have some tweets I want to share as well on Twitter. Follow me there at Leslie Marshall. Leslie Marshall, not left, not right, just real talk at eight 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 six Leslie. Support Leslie by supporting her show. Go to LeslieMarshallShow.com forward slash members to find out how. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He is Scott Paul. Scott and Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Please follow him on Twitter at Scott Paul AAM and on the website, Go to uh, the website for American Manufacturing, AmericanManufacturing.org, and find out more. Um, a lot to talk about here. We were talking about that Trump hotel uh, filled top to bottom with goods made in China. But we need to give props and credit where credit is due because there's another hotel chain, Marriott, which just bought, bought Starwood. And my brother works for Starwood. That's why I know this. And um, they, 
had an announcement. USA Today had uh, written about this, Scott, that they're going to actually make products in America that are carried in their hotels. Is it all products or just towels? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's towels and 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 uh, uh, textiles or linens. So um, so yeah, if you go into a Marriott hotel, you start turning over all the furniture. There, you know, you're not going to find everything made in America. But I look, I thought it was significant that you know this is the, a big hospitality company, and um, they had previously sourced their towels from uh, Jordan in the Middle East, mostly, and. Uh, made a conscious decision uh, when they needed to, to place more orders because they're obviously acquiring more properties that they wanted to bring some of this back to the United States. And so there's a uh, there's a company that has a couple of factories in the South uh, that will be supplying this with American cotton. And this is from top to bottom. So this is from the the Ritz Carlton uh, to some of the, uh, the 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 more affordable options for for people uh, like like courtyard. Um, and I, I just, I just think it's kind of cool, but it also shows that how kind of out of tune Trump is, right? Because you know, here's a company, Marriott, you know, pretty conservative enterprise, and um, yeah, the, Mar- uh, the Marriott is owned. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the uh, the family that owns Marriott are, are are strict Mormons, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's absolutely right. Um, and uh, you know, uh, pretty, I think, socially conservative people, and they. You know, but they, you know, this company didn't have to do this, but it obviously thinks that it's good for their goodwill, good for their bottom line. No company is going to do this out of altruism, right? Unless they think it's going to be good for them. Uh, and then on the other hand, you have a, again, you have a candidate who talks about this issue every day um, and gets people fired up and actually, in a lot of ways, maybe doing the issue of fairness and trade policy a, a disservice by engaging in so much hyperbole. And then, yeah, you look at his properties, and he doesn't make the same kind of effort. Um, and so it's not a, uh, not a surprise why a lot of folks would call him a hypocrite on this. Um, I mean, I, I will say, having worked on these Made America issues uh, for the last 10 years and try to drive this into the conversation – um, it will be a tragedy if this election results in uh, these issues kind of being dismissed and identified purely with Donald Trump, because I think there's a lot of people who have worked hard, both progressives, independents, conservatives, who've looked at this, who say made in America is, port- is important to me, changing trade policy is important to me, let's have a conversation about it. Uh, and, and I think those voices need to be heard both before the election and after the election, uh, because there will be pushback and there will be those who say, uh, oh, well, Trump's uh, trade hysteria, you know, all, let's throw all of those issues out the window. We don't need to worry about them. No, there's some real problems in America right now. Uh, but I think there's just a lot of evidence that, that he's, he's not the right messenger, uh, that his, his, his policies, um, you know, there's a lot of hypocrisy embedded into them, uh, that there's a different approach. Uh, and so we're going to be focusing on that uh, definitely uh, leading into the final months of the year. You know, 
that, that's another thing. Are you surprised that there are so many people out there trusting of Trump saying, I'm going to bring jobs back when every day it's all over uh, the media, it's all over the Internet today, and it has been four days since it opened, that the Trump Hotel is top to bottom goods made in China. May, may, uh, uh, make America Great Again hat, hats you can find made in China or H.O. in Mexico. You know what I mean? I, I just don't understand. You know, I am a Hillary supporter. I am a Democrat. Um, but that aside, I just don't understand somebody who could be so hypocritical on this issue that is such an important issue and a major concern to so many American voters out there who've lost their jobs overseas. Don't they understand that, you know, with those hats or with those ties or with those uh, stakes or, you know, whatever he was peddling that was not not made in the United States, right, knives and uh, everything in the hotel, that that played into and he profited from jobs going overseas. That's right. Uh, and I have this conversation repeatedly. I have a lot of very conservative friends from the Midwest where I grew up, and we, and we engage in these debates. And they'll say, well, he was just acting as a businessman, doing what any rational businessman would do. And the incentives were to offshore because our taxes are horrible, our regulation is horrible, wages are too high, whatever the excuses are. And, and I, I push back and I say, look, there are a lot of people who have found a way to both make a buck and make it in America. Okay. There, there are a lot of people. I mean, Marriott is a great example there of a hotel chain that's doing the right thing here. There are car companies that do it every day. There are clothing manufacturers who do it every day. There are folks that make furniture every day uh, because it was important to them. And they wouldn't stay in business. I mean, they're, they're, they're turning a profit. And so, yeah, yeah. so I, I turn it back and I say, yeah, it is, it's, it, it's rank hypocrisy. I mean, he obviously recognizes that there's uh, an outcry about this. There's a lot of people who have lost their jobs. A third of all manufacturing workers have lost their jobs over the last 15 years. And so, and, and that has consequences. But, uh, you know, selling them snake oil is, is not the solution. Uh, I mean, these are, uh, these deserve thoughtful solutions uh, and deserve a debate that is uh, above this kind of hypocrisy, I think. Uh, definitely. Guys, how much time do we have? I want to make sure I have a. Uh... Okay, good. I have, I have time for one or, or two more questions, depending on uh, how quick uh, that we are. Um, with regard to uh, manufacturing and the proposals that you have laid out that we have heard from both candidates, from Clinton on the left for Democrats and Trump on the right for um, Republicans, how, how much are either of these plans in reality able to pass a Congress that very well could be divided? Yeah, that's a very good question. I, and look, I think there's room to maneuver. Uh, the, as popular as President Obama was in Congress, uh, this, uh, this, this network of new innovation institutes in manufacturing, it sounds really wonky, and it is kind of really wonky, and they just rebranded it as something called Manufacturing USA. But these are going to be hubs that are going to help spur new developments in manufacturing that will create jobs here. That passed a divided Congress, and in fact, it got a billion dollars for it. So, uh, you know, that's, that's possible. Congress passed a basic infrastructure bill. It didn't increase uh, infrastructure spending, but they managed to at least hold it steady. Uh, and so that gives me some hope as well. So I do think, and, and, and Congress passed some trade enforcement measures as well that, that are giving the steel industry and others new tools to fight back against uh, China's unfair 
unfair trade practices. We need more than that. But just in those three examples, Leslie, it shows you that even in this division that we have right now, we're able to get some things done. I look, I see like if if you know, I could I see Hillary Clinton and Chuck Schumer and Paul Ryan making a deal on taxes and infrastructure and things like that? Absolutely. I could. Uh, but, but again, it's going to take a leadership push, uh, and it's going to be people dedicated towards solutions rather than identifying differences. Thank you, Scott. Always a pleasure to have you on. I didn't get to all my questions, but we'll be talking again soon. Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Follow him on Twitter, at Scott Paul AAM. The website is AmericanManufacturing.org. We're going to take a break, top of our news, wherever you're listening and however you listen. And coming up in the next hour, wide open telephones. Get in line now, 8886-LESLIE. Don't go away. We've got all the news right here. I'm going to stop you right there. I see you about to settle on a day-old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chick intervention. Cosmic Chicken Biscuits and Chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. Wake up breakfast. Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two Chicken McGriddles or McChicken Biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time.